Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I am joined from the University of Minnesota by Julie Weisenhorn. Hi, Julie. Good morning. Good nice morning. To see you. How are you? I'm doing quite well. I was going to say that uh, I'm proud dad. I, I forgot to mention that I finally got, well, he finally got it. But my son is now an alumnus of the U of M. Hey, we got his uh, diploma. Tony. Very cool. Framed. So awesome. it's legitimate. Awesome. It was, it was not created on the internet. <laughs> That's it, awesome. It Great. took a while, but he got it. So congratulations yes. to Tony. Yeah. Anyway, I'm always happy to hear that. We uh, are here to talk lawns and gardens, and uh, Julie Weisenhorn is the expert who's going to answer your questions either by phone or by text. And again, that's the same number. So if you want to chat with Julie, that's good. 651-989-9226. Or the same number applies to text messages if that is uh, easier for you. And you know, and Julie knows, that we get really busy. Yes. Some yeah. folks wait till the last five minutes, <laughs> and then we have tons of uh, questions that we can't People get People are just answered. making so, their coffee right now. Yeah, so call in or text in your question, whatever's easier. And uh, we're talking lawns and gardens on this Smart Garden Show. All right, what is Julie doing now, getting ready? Now, I'm seeing a lot of my lawn now. Are you? I'm not walking on it. Okay. Don't That's do good. that yet, right? That's right, yeah. And why is that? Well, uh, right now our lawns are pretty pretty spongy yeah. uh, as they start to thaw out. Now, they could still be frozen too, but but with the temperatures we're going to have today and tomorrow, the, at least the top few inches of soil might start to get a little thawed out, particularly on south and western sides of your of your house. But walking on it can compact that soil down right now. So it's kind of delicate, and you want to stay off of it as much as you can. Um, not to say you can't cross your yard, or but you don't want to be raking. You don't want to oh, yeah. be... Uh, playing on it too much if if you got kids, um, but just kind of staying off of it until it dries out a little bit more. Somebody up. a couple of days ago was asking me about uh, trimming oak trees, and I thought, gee, is it? It's getting the window's kind of closing. Yeah, you got isn't a it? couple more weeks. Couple more. Uh, the recommendation is not to trim your oak trees from April through June because of oak wilt potential spread. So this is still a low risk uh, or no risk type of situation. But, you know, as, as temperatures warm up, that might change. But right now it's still April through June. Okay. Good, good to Just know. To not prune. Not, to not prune. To not prune. prune. Right. So you got a couple more weeks. All right. Tell you what, let's go to the phones. Robert is first up here calling from uh, Bloomington. Robert, you're on with Julie. Good morning. morning. Uh, I ha- good morning. I have a uh, – this is, question is about neonicotinoids. Okay. I have a uh, – Dakota pinnacle birch tree. Ooh, I love that tree. See, and last year it was recommended to me that I use a product called Optrol uh, because the tree suffers from, I think, Japanese beetles and possibly 
leaf miners. Okay. And I understand that that product contains neonicotinoids, so I'm wondering, is there an alternative that does not contain that uh, chemical? Uh, boy, that's a, that's a good question for an arborist. Um, I'm not sure about alternative ways of treating those. Leaf miners are cosmetic. They are not going to kill the tree. Um, the Japanese beetles, likewise, are likely cosmetic damage. Now, I know that, you know, when you see your tree being defoliated, you're thinking, oh, that's going to kill the tree. But, um... But our recommendations with um, with Japanese beetles is that if a tree is healthy, it can survive. And it's a fairly large tree. It can survive uh, Japanese beetle feeding. And uh-huh. so not to do anything about it. Um, one of the best ways to uh, keep that tree healthy, of course, particularly with birches, mm-hmm. is to keep the roots cool and protected and to make sure it gets enough water if we go into a dry part of the season. And and to kind of and to pay attention to it, prune it properly, and keep it as stress free as possible. So um, the leaf miner, I'm surprised that they would treat for leaf miner. I'm not an arborist, but that's really a cosmetic thing. Um, and and the same with Japanese beetles to a certain extent. So unless the tree is a very small young tree, if it's a healthy mature tree, then keeping it healthy mm-hmm. is your best defense against these insects. So I don't. Um, I don't know if there's any arborists listening, but if you want to weigh in on that, that would be great. Uh, But uh, we really try to prevent, you know, try to keep from uh, using too many uh, chemicals for what we consider to be cosmetic damage. All right. Very good. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate that. Boy, that's a tough question to start with. (laughs) No, that's all right. Uh, We may get calls about that. uh, Yeah, our arborists in Minnesota are We have so many good ones. Yeah, they're very good. We have certified arborists. And if you're looking for one uh, and not sure where to call, you can contact your your city. Some cities have a, an arborist on staff who can come out or a forester and come out and take a look at your uh, look at your trees. Uh, but also you can go to the International Society of Aboriculture website, which I believe is isa.org. But if you Google uh, uh, that society, you can find it. And you can put your um, put your zip code in. And it will come up with certified arborists that are in your area. So, right. uh, yeah, that's a it's a big community and very knowledgeable. 651-989-9226 for your phone calls or text messages for Julie. Uh, speaking of text, uh, here's one. You're going to have to help me this. I, I, I'd like to know how to stratif- uh, stratify milkweed seeds so I can plant them this spring. Do I have enough time? And what does that mean? So stratification is a cold treatment of seeds, uh, kind of mimicking winter. Or and uh, and so milkweed seeds. I'm not sure how long they need to be stratified, but uh, usually I think right now it's probably past that. Uh, you probably kind of missed that. I think that's usually at least several months, and um, and and so you put you put them into say the freezer or uh, refrigerator, and uh, and then plant them after a certain amount of time. And it's a, it's a treatment that prompts germination of the seed uh, and is required for that seed to germinate. Okay, very good. Uh, let's see, here's one. I split my uh, peonies, replanted last fall. Your website said I should put mulch around each plant. When should I remove this mulch? Thank you. 
Uh, as the as the plants come up, you can just push that mulch away from the plants. You'll see them start to come up as as our temperatures warm up this spring, and then just push the push the mulch off of those. Keep the mulch around them. That will help to keep the roots protected, keep them cool. It will prevent soil from splashing up onto the leaves as the plants grow, and uh, and also keep your weed pressure down. Okay. Preparation for hibiscus this spring. Planted last year, did not cut down before winter. Good or bad? Oh, I think you can go ahead and uh, you can cut that down this spring. I think that would be fine. Should not be a, problem. a problem. All right. Let's grab a call from Bob, who's calling in from uh, Ham Lake this morning. Bob, you're on with Julie. Hi, Julie. Good morning. I live in Ham, Ham Lake where my soil or the area that I want to plant my large trees is quite heavy. It's it was uh, pasture land many years ago. Okay. There's a lot of black dirt, very thick, and it does retain a lot of moisture. You could probably in the spring dig down and get seawater at a foot down. I'm wondering if that's an okay area to plant large trees, and where can I get them? Yeah, so the larch is a deciduous conifer, and it's a beautiful tree. So uh, I would I would uh, say that... If most likely that's that's okay to plant them there. I know they grow in bogs up north naturally and in uh, kind of wet conditions. Um, they are, uh, I, th- I believe that you could order them from one of our native plant nurseries. You can also contact the DNR. They have a list of native plant nurseries on their website or contact them. They sometimes, uh, it might be too late for this, but they, they will sell trees, also sell bulk of bulk trees bulk numbers, and, uh, but they would probably be able to guide you toward a source for, tam- for uh, large trees. The other source that you could use is an Arboretum database called Plant Information Online. And you can find it uh, if you go to the Arboretum site and, tap, uh, and type in Plant Information Online into their search window or search box. Uh, you can come to that database, and it's a database of retail and wholesale uh, sources for plants and seeds. And so if you're looking for a particular plant, like you're looking for larch, that would be a great place to start. Very good, Bob. Thank you. Th- appreciate the call. Bob leaves that line open, 651-989-9226. Same number applies to your text questions, and we have a bunch of those too. Let's uh, take a quick break here. 815, don't forget, set your clocks back one hour as you retire tonight. We rejoin Daylight Saving Time tomorrow. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. I was just testing to see if you were paying attention. And what do I mean by that? I missed, actually, I misspoke. Yes, I was thinking about, not to rush in the seat. I don't want to lose an hour of sleep, okay? And uh, set your clocks. It's spring ahead, fall back, right? Yes. Spring ahead. So we lose an hour of sleep. So set your clocks ahead, so no texting. <laughs> yeah, we've got it. We got, we got it. it. Okay, let's make you it. wrote a big note here. Let's make it strictly lawn and garden, okay? <laughs> Nothing like being corrected, just like, just like home. Okay, uh, where are we here? Um, a good morning says, great program. Is it a good time to trim flowering crab trees? It sure is. This is a great time to trim flowering crab trees. Uh, we recommend trimming uh, fruit trees, crab trees, crab apple trees, um, uh, right now, this is a great time, and what it does is it allows the plant to heal before the warm season happens, and all those 
uh, pesky little bugs and insects and fungal spores floating around in the air are um, active. So it gets healed up. Okay. Yeah, it's a good time. If you want to call in your question, 651-989-9226 or send a text. All right. What time is it? It's 820. Well, actually, it's Are you exactly, sure? It's, 8, it's 821 Central Standard Time. Just checking. All right. Happy almost spring, it says texture here. Should I remove the be removing the burlap from my delicate evergreens? Yeah, I think you probably can. That, that burlap is really to uh, prevent the desiccation from really, really cold weather. And the winds that we get here in Minnesota, so um, during the weather. So, uh, yeah, you can go ahead and remove those now. Okay. Here's a text that says, I inherited a Christmas cactus 10-plus years ago. I have no idea how old it is. <laughs> I have repotted it a number of times, and now it is three feet in Whoa, diameter. three feet. Is there a limit to how big it can grow, or is it limited by simply not being able to handle it at a larger size? Wow. I have no idea how big they'll get. I suppose in their natural habitat. Oh, 10 plus years. Yeah, that's a big plant. Um, yeah, I, I, it may be just limited by the pot that it's in, by the container. Um, and certainly by the fact that it's being grown in a container. That's probably it too. But boy, that's a really good question. Um, I think that uh, you could continue to repot it. I guess it's, it depends on how long you want to keep you know, propagating a three-foot-wide plant. But I bet it's beautiful when it blooms. Man, I bet it's incredible. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just, I would say it It probably can get quite large, but I'm not sure what they, how big they grow in their natural habitat. So hmm. not sure. That's a great question. I might have to look that one up. Very good. Some homework. Yeah. Did I suggest you turn your clocks ahead one hour? <laughs> All right. Spring ahead. Spring ahead. Fall back. I always think of when I think of fall back, those... Things where you, you, the trust, what is it called? The trust oh, circle yeah. where you well, fall yeah. back. <laughs> then they let and go of you. And then somebody looks away because there's a noise at the door or something. <laughs> I have two questions, Texter says. One, I have five blue spruce that we planted two summers ago, four feet tall. Is there anything I should fertilize them with this spring? The other question is, I have rhubarb. Uh, this will be its first spring. Is there anything I should do for that? So the the spruce trees, uh, water is going to be your biggest uh, benefit for those. So and, and that depends on our weather. If we get you know solid rains in spring and we have uh, cool weather, that's great uh, to uh, kind of keep those plants watered. Uh, but uh, but really, it's just watering at this point. I don't know if you need to really fertilize them. They're pretty young plants. Uh, they're probably just reestablishing their roots still. So keeping them watered well, mulch the roots uh, to keep them cool, hold in moisture, keep the weed pressure down, uh, all good things to do. And as far as the rhubarb goes, I would uh, I know that rhubarb is a big feeder. In other words, it requires a lot of fertilizer to really produce. And I would uh, direct you to our extension website where uh, under our uh, vegetable page, we have a page on rhubarb. And I would recommend that you take a look at that. And that's going to be at extension.umn.edu. And then uh, you can just type rhubarb in the search window, and it will bring you to that web page. All right. Rumor has it Julie is the orchid queen. 
Well, that's what? a crazy rumor. <laughs> what what resources do you recommend for success with Phalaenopsis orchids in Minnesota? Love I, this show. Oh, well, thank you. I love I love doing this show. Um, first of all, I am not an orchid queen. I'm a hobbyist. <laughs> but I do love orchids, and I particularly love the challenge of growing them. And Phalaenopsis are, or moth orchids are one of the easier orchids to grow. Uh, what I find to be important with those plants is, number one, is they like cooler temperatures, so you don't want to put them in a very hot location in your house. They also uh, do well if you use uh, special water to water them. In other words, rainwater, that's untreated, uh, reverse osmosis water, which is the water you can buy at the grocery store, distilled water, and then just a real mild orchid fertilizer uh, every few weeks uh, if it's not blooming. And then when it is blooming, just like about a half strength or so of what's recommended on the bottle um, when the plant is blooming. And be sure that they drain well. Too often, I think the number one way that people kill orchids is they think they are tropical, so they have to be wet all the time. And that is not the case. They're an epiphyte, meaning that they grow in nature on other plants. They're not parasitic, but they grow and they take their moisture and their nutrients from the plant that they are uh, growing on, and they also take it from the rainwater and the humidity that's around them. So um, so really for us trying to grow them in a house, the important thing is mm-hmm. to allow them to drain well, put them in a sink, let them drain very well, and uh, mm-hmm. and then use a water that's untreated. Don't use a tap water. Well water is also good, too, if you have well water. Very good. Uh, let's see. Jerry in St. Paul is calling in with a question, I do believe. Uh, Jerry, you're on with Julie. Yeah, hi there. Uh, Julie, I have an area in my yard. It's only probably about six feet by six feet. And over the last decade, it just sank a little bit. So I, I'd say I've got about three-inch drop there, and I have to... Uh, either put seed sod or can I put dirt over the whole works and just let the grass seed or the the existing lawn just come back up through it, through that black dirt? I think uh, when you have a low spot like that, you can, um, let me think about that for a moment. I think what I'm, because it's not a very big area, you could, uh, you could try putting some, you could aerate that maybe and then uh, top dress it with some soil and seed to get some grass to grow in that space, or you could you could take off that sod from that area, use a sod cutter, and then uh, till in mm-hmm. some new new soil to fill in that area, and then reseed it. And I would recommend mm-hmm. seeding it uh, because it will help to blend in better with your existing lawn. So those low areas are difficult because well you know if you've got Grass growing on it now, you kind of hate to take it off, but I think that's going to be your best way for evening that space out. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, or you could plant a garden on top of it. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. 651-989-9226. When and how, Texter says, can I divide a hydrangea that has overgrown its space and is crowding other shrubs? Well, that's a case where the plant uh, was not the right plant for that location because it's too large. And so the difficulty with blooming mm-hmm. plants is you can, you can certainly prune them and keep them cut back, but the more you do it, the longer you do it year after year, the less productive that mm-hmm. plant is going to be. So uh, you can try to move the plant. You can, you can 
get rid of the plant and put something in there that will be more suitable from the size. There's a lot of different hydrangeas that are out on the market, including smaller sized hydrangeas, compact sized hydrangeas that uh, that might do better there instead of trying to keep this plant pruned. Uh, blooming plants, um, you know, the more you prune them back, they become eventually over the years, they'll become a lot of just woody stems and and not a whole lot of flowers. So you can try to do that now while you're thinking about it, but you might want to start investigating maybe some other newer varieties of hydrangeas that would be better suited for that space from a size standpoint. Very good, Julie. We need to take a quick bottom-of-the-hour break. We have another half hour of the show to go. Uh, But don't wait. If you have a question, lawn or garden type of question, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie also reminds you to spring ahead, (laughs) to lose an hour of sleep tonight. So we set our clocks ahead one hour. Okay, we got that straight? (laughs) Yeah. Fortunately. Thank goodness you're here. My goodness. Confusing. (laughs) If you want to uh, ask Julie your lawn or garden question by phone or by text, same number, 651 Nine eight nine nine two two six. Text to Julie wants to know any plans to publish the garden calendar oh, again? Oh yeah, the garden calendar. No, there's no plans to republish that. We miss it. Oh uh, yep, yeah. It was a great, uh, great publication. But you know, to be honest, people weren't buying paper calendars. There weren't really? enough to keep the project afloat. I like yeah. paper. Calendar. We like. I do like paper calendar. I always have one. I have one of. Uh, I think it's from. It's from the MDA. Uh, or the DNR, I can't remember. It's on invasive species. <laughs> mm. And we get them at, uh, I find, get them at the Arboretum. Sure. But yeah. There's a lot of great calendars out there, but we were just not, that was not a project that was uh, making sense for us anymore. So That'd be yeah, a great place I was to on it on. for a long time. I'm going to go to the, the Arboretum, get a calendar. Yeah. Oh, they have beautiful calendars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's see. What's the secret, Texter says, to getting orchids to bloom again this spring? <laughs> well... Uh, the secret to getting orchids to bloom is to be super patient because, and to appreciate when the leaves look great and when the roots look great uh, because that is how you're going to see them for at least probably three-quarters of the year. Some people uh, have, a, have orchids that reliably bloom every my, – mine bloom mostly in the winter, actually, once they're in the house. Uh, they really don't bloom that much in the warmer weather. And uh, – but that's my that's just me. So um, it it's really being patient. It's keeping the plant healthy and uh, being sure not to overwater it. As I mentioned earlier, uh, there are lots of good resources on orchids. There's the American Orchid Society, which if you are an orchid fan, it's a great thing to be a member of. They have a wonderful uh, monthly uh, digital newsletter that comes out, or magazine that comes out, and great articles. I'm reading mine right now. Uh, we also have good orchid resources here in uh, Minneapolis uh, from our garden centers and greenhouses. You can Google those and find those online and, and uh, kind of explore those. So uh, there's also orchid shows. Now the Como Park uh, Conservatory has an orchid show every year. It's over. It's in January. And the Arboretum had a beautiful flower show, which was more than orchids, but there are orchids out there. Uh, in that flower show. And you can still see a lot of the orchids in their conservatory there. So uh, I would recommend just learning about that and uh, getting a good, some good books on orchids and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, treating them nicely. 
<laughs> All right. Good ideas. Uh, Texter Julie says, should I unwrap my little fir trees? Yeah, I think you can. Um, it, uh, we wrap those trees because of the the really dry, cold winter winds that we have. And I think I can safely say since it's going to be 63 degrees tomorrow that we maybe are past that. Maybe even 65. So I think, yeah, I think you can go ahead and unwrap okay. them. Uh, when's it, by the way, if you have a text you want to, or a question you want to ask Julie via text, 651-989-9226. When is a good time to repot an avocado tree? It's over six feet tall now. Holy cow. Well, I would definitely get some friends to help you. That'd be one thing. Um, over six feet tall. I it, when you when you have an indoor plant that's growing in a container like that, uh, how do you know when it's time to repot it? Is if you water it and it dries out within twenty four hours, it's it's definitely needs a larger pot with more soil in it. If you water it and all the water runs out the bottom, it's time to repot it. If uh, if it uh, if you can lift it out of its pot and it comes out in one big uh, ball of soil but mostly roots, it's time to repot it. So I would take a look at some of those things. And uh, if it's growing great and the water stays in the pot and it, you know, it's soaked up into the soil and there's plenty of soil in there uh, according to the, you know, how many roots you have in that, but then I think that that would, um, then you're fine. You don't need to repot it at that point. Do they produce fruit? Uh, I don't know if it's difficult to say whether they would produce fruit in an indoor situation. Yeah. Probably not. Not like a Meyer Probably lemon. Probably not. Yeah. No, not like a Meyer lemon. Okay. How's your Meyer lemon, buddy? You know, actually, look, I was just thinking, it's, I can see the lem, uh, lemons on there t- uh, getting yellow now. Wow. Yeah, Send me a picture. They're like uh, bigger than baseballs. Yeah. They're not very big. They're not huge, but they're really. Are big. yours big? Oh, they <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <Yeah. laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, the <laughs> land, my faux pas. <laughs> the land of the giants. But uh, I haven't uh, tasted that. Have you been yet. fertilizing it? I th- Sandy takes care of that. Okay, I think, but it's healthy. <laughs> Apparently, so something's working. Growing fruit. Yeah. Right. Uh, good morning. Texter says, uh, "When should I cut back all of the perennials, such as echinacea and coneflowers, that I left up for quote winter interest?" Thank you. Well, good for you for leaving them up for winter interest. That is terrific. Um, you can cut those back anytime. They're dead. And, uh, again, being careful, uh, you know, if you're out uh, prowling around in your garden, you know, just realize that when you're stepping on very wet soil that you're compacting it down. So if you're going to go into your garden, go in on the mm-hmm. same path. We all kind of have these probably these little paths in our garden that we follow to get, you know, deeper into them. And... Uh, and just kind of stay on that. Don't walk all over all the soil, but just you know, stay on that little path to get back there to prune them off. Okay. 651-989-9226. Back to the phones we go. Julie, Virginia is calling from Bloomington. Good morning, Virginia. Good morning. Morning. <laughs> I have an amaryllis that I've had for years. And a couple of years ago, it struggled to even come alive after I had it quiet for the winter. And then the, but I kept it. And a couple, last year, it grew great guns. Awesome. Now, this year, all I get out of two stalks, and the blossoms are huge, as usual, but there's no leaves. The leaves will come after it blooms. Well, other years, the leaves have come about the same time the stalks have. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I, it sounds to me like you're doing the right thing, though. If you've got those uh, bulbs to rebloom, that's great. And I would just be patient, and I, I, I'm guessing that you'll start to see leaves come out as soon as those stalks are starting to fade. Very good. Thanks, Virginia. 
Uh, let's or go shortly thereafter. Back to the text. Let's see. Where did I leave off? Okay. Regarding that jumbo Christmas cactus question. Oh, yeah. I have a plant, Texter says, of similar size and advanced age. Two years ago, I ran out of room for the plant and trimmed it back. It has not bloomed since. How long do you think before it might bloom again? Uh, perhaps trimming was a bad idea, the Texter says. Oh, I don't know if it was a bad idea. I think um, the plants actually respond pretty well to trimming. And uh, especially bringing them back, I think it's just going to take it, it, it's going to take a little bit of time for it to um, to just set buds again. So um, keep it healthy and keep it. Uh, make sure that it's watered and drains well. That's important with Christmas cactus, not to overwater them. And it sounds like uh, if you're seeing a lot of new leaves and new growth, uh, maybe a little shot of fertilizer mm-hmm. if you're not fertilizing it um, mm-hmm. would help. Uh, when we see our houseplants actively growing, it's a good time to start fertilizing them. So if you haven't been over the winter. So uh, I was looking over all of my Christmas cactus. Yesterday I did some division and, and some uh, uh, transplanting, and they were looking great. So uh, they're, start, they're actually budding again. So, mm. so that's good. Um, but they like very cool temperatures. And remember that they're photoperiod uh Plants, so that means that they actually will bud as days as the light is less, which is why they're Christmas cactus. But sometimes plants surprise us. Sometimes they uh, will bud like mine are now when the days are getting longer. So hmm. kind of crazy. That Mind way. of its own. Mind of its own. Yeah. Uh, I know we have to break here shortly, but Texas says, "How do I cut back succulents in a pot? They're getting too big." Well, it depends on the kind of succulents. If they're jade, that's pretty easy to do. You can pinch them back, meaning you can uh, pinch back the top few leaves. Oh, and uh, But if there are other kinds like uh, uh, more of a rosette form, there's not much you can do about that. Uh, that is the form of the plant. And if you cut it back, you uh, will probably not uh, get something to regrow from it. So... It's going to depend on the kind it is. What I'd recommend is uh, if you know where you got them, there's some good greenhouses. Succulents are very popular. Either check online for uh, the type that you have or visit one of our local garden centers and ask them. All right, we'll do that. We need to take a break, Julie. Uh, it's uh, 39 degrees in the Twin Cities. Cease your time is exactly 843. Another reminder, we'll get back into daylight saving time tomorrow, early tomorrow morning. Don't forget to set your clocks ahead one hour. Spring ahead one hour as you retire tonight. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Julie Weisenhorn in studio helping you out. 651-989-9226. That's the number for both the phone call or text question for Julie. Julie, let's uh, grab a couple of phone calls, and then we'll get some more text messages done. Alan is calling in from St. Louis Park. Uh, Alan, good morning. What can we do for you? Hi, good morning. Last fall, I put down um, some seed, uh, doing a dormant seeding on about a six by 10 foot area of fresh soil. Okay. And I'm just wondering, in the off chance that we have a cool, dry spring, at what point uh, should we start watering that soil? Uh, I would say when the soil is, is gets, when you can see that it's noticeably dry. And uh, you can just poke your finger in and feel the first, you know, couple of inches of soil. And if it's dry, I'd start watering it because that seed is not going to germinate without that water. So just basic visual cues. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate the call. Uh, let's see. 
Boy, we've got so many texts. I know. Right. They're Dear very Julie, diverse. <laughs> I have a 24-inch uh, variegated, elongated leaf house plan. I don't know mm. the name, but there is. Uh, the question is, there's evidence of some scale. Oh, what causes scale. tiny, sticky dots under some of the leaves? Well, scale is a sucking insect, and uh, it is a protected insect. It's a The insect is actually under a little covering, and it looks like a little like a little scaly thing. Um, it is difficult to control scale. And uh, depending on what this plant is, uh, being a house plant, and it sounds like it's a foliage plant because it, uh, the, uh, indica- they didn't indicate that it uh, bloomed at all. But you could treat this plant with a systemic for sucking insects. Uh, there are a number of them out on the market it is usually a granular that you mix into the soil and then you water it and it's taken up through the roots of the plant and dispersed amongst the leaves and the branches, stems, etc. And uh, that when the insect uh, then feeds on the plant, it eats some of that uh, poison and dies. But scale are pretty resilient. Um, they are, because they're in this protective covering, spraying your plant uh, with a contact pesticide doesn't, doesn't work well. You can, if, there's, if they're only on a certain part of the plant, you can consider pruning that section off or you can hand pick them off. But have, my experience has been that, they are very, that they're very hard to get rid of. So uh, you might want to consider if the plant is worth keeping, if it doesn't have any sentimental value or you haven't invested a whole lot of time into it. It doesn't sound like uh, um, uh, you're, you're not sure what kind it is, so it's kind of hard to say if there's any other alternatives, but that scale is tough. That is a very difficult insect to get rid of. Nasty. Very hard. We do have good information uh, on all household or houseplant pests on our extension site uh, under on our houseplant uh, webpage. So that's extension.umn.edu, and you can type in scale, and it will come right up for you. All right. Back to the phones we go, Julie. Ethel's calling from Arden Hills. Ethel, you're on CCO with Julie. Okay. I just wanted to report that I have a two-year-old Christmas cactus it bloomed with 35 beautiful Whoa. blooms in November. In January, I had 25 beautiful red blooms. And now today, I counted 22 more blooms. Oh my God. Wow, something's right. <laughs> wow. I don't know what I'm doing, but it's a Keep beautiful doing it. cactus. <laughs> Oh. That is awesome. What great, great news to hear that. Wow. That's great. I think that's almost 100 blooms. If I was Isn't doing my math. No, it's about 70, Isn't 80 blooms. Something. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Ethel. Clearly Appreciate doing something that. correct, Ethel. Thank you. Meanwhile, back Thanks in the text uh, says, my amaryllis didn't bloom, did not bloom. It set four new bulbs. How and when do I remove those baby bulbs? Love the show. You can take those off uh, at any time. You can dig up that plant, that bulb, your, the mother bulb it's called, and then just take a nice sharp knife and trim those off. Uh, and uh, you can pot those up. Now, it will take a long time for those small bulbs to bloom because they have to store quite a bit of energy. But if you put them in, they don't need to be in a big pot. Amaryllis kind of like to be in smaller pots, so just a couple inches maybe bigger than that bulb. And, uh, and then uh, just kind of wait and see if you can get them to bloom again. All right. Anyway, to save geranium I'm sorry. Any way to save geranium buds when cut plant? 
when cut plant down to three inches. They have bloomed all winter and still going. Do you understand that? Yeah. Any way to save geranium buds when the, uh, they cut the plant down to three inches? I think that's what they're trying to say. I'm not sure I understand. Maybe retext that a little yeah. clearer. They have all bloomed. They bloomed all winter that's and great. still going. But well, that sounds. They want good. to save the bulbs. Save the bulbs or the buds? Oh, the buds rather. Uh, the buds aren't going to do anything. Oh, okay. So I wouldn't worry about saving buds. If you want to send a clarification yeah. text, do that. Yeah. If you when, want to propagate from the cuttings, that's one thing. But if you want to save the buds, there's not much to save. All right, let's see. Well, you've got so many texts <laughs> here, Julie. text. When and how do you prune blueberry bushes? Uh, pruning blueberry bushes, you would. Uh, I'm going to direct you to our blueberry webpage for that. Uh, I would prune those in the in the spring. I actually would look for any dead branches uh, and prune those off. Make sure they're completely dead. And you can do that by just bending them a little bit and see if they snap or scratching them with uh, your fingernail or something to see if there's any green tissue. Um, you don't want to prune a lot in the spring because you'll prune off the flower buds for uh, the berries. So you want to, don't want to do that. Um, but you do want to cut anything dead or broken off in the spring. And then uh, if you're going to do any, any additional pruning, um, that would be after they bloom. All right. So I would take a look at that webpage. Blueberry bushes really, the ones that we grow here in Minnesota are quite small, and they really don't require a whole lot of pruning except to prune off dead branches. You mentioned, Julie, the website. Uh, the texter wanted to have you re- oh, repeat what it yes, is. Yes, extension.umn.edu, and we are under Yard and Garden. All right. What is the best way, texter says, to get Stelladoro ready for spring? Just cleaning up the dead leaves. What is that besides star uh, it's gold? A, it's a day lily. Oh, okay. Star gold. You and your Italiano. expert Italian language. Mm. Uh, yeah, just cleaning up the dead uh, leaves from last year. They're going to be all kind of brown and, and laying all over the ground and just cutting them back or just raking them up if they've fallen off. That's all. All right. Pretty just, easy. Let's see. Uh, we still have a couple of minutes to go. Just wondering, uh, Texter says, if you can transplant a cactus plant. It is blooming again right now, but would wait till after it is done. Thank you. Yeah, you can. If it's a very prickly one, you need some really good gloves, maybe two pair of gloves on each hand or a pair of gloves, two gloves on each hand. And then, uh, uh, yes, you would just use a clean pot, cactus soil, and then carefully repot it or, yeah, repot it. Okay. I bought, Texture says, several small evergreen dwarf Alberta spruces, I think they're trying to say, Mm -hmm. from a big box store. At Christmas for decorations, I have nursed them all winter. Should I plant outside now at Caridor? Well, I'm not sure if those are hardy here. Uh, if you've been growing them indoors, uh, they're probably more likely an indoor plant. But you can grow them outside at least during the uh, warm season and into fall. Uh, and you might want to do some research a little bit more on those spruces and see if they are something that you can uh, plant in your yard. We are in zone four here. Zone four. I think we can have one more call, uh, Julie. Larry okay. is calling in from Maple Lake. Larry, uh, what can we do for you? Well, yes. Uh, last uh, summer, my strawberry plants had many buds, but the chipmunks uh, got them. Oh. And also, it's been quite shady, so I'm thinking about transplanting to an area where the chipmunks can't get at it. 
Uh, is this a good time to do it? It would be a good time when it warms up. So just uh, wait about six weeks, do it maybe in May, and you'll see the plants starting to uh, to come up. It's a little bit early to be moving plants. Um, and so just wait till it warms up. Uh, I would say you could move them around Memorial Day or third week of May after the frost-free dates, and that will give the plants plenty of time to set fruit. All right. Thanks, Larry. Uh, being uh, this weekend is so hot, that's a texture says. Oh, yeah. Hot. <laughs> Can I still trim my maple tree? Won't be hot when it's 63 in July. No, no. <laughs> yes, you can still uh, prune your maple tree. Just be aware that the sap will drip out of it, oh, likely. I, I saw somebody must have tapped a maple tree I saw. Oh, nice. Uh, where I was driving down the road, I thought, that must be... Yeah, they have a bucket hanging on it? I think they did. It looked, yes, but, but with this cool. warm that's temperature, that's going on that's at happen. the Arboretum pretty quick here is the maple... The maple uh, syruping and pancake breakfast, et cetera. You know, we should mention more of that since we only have a minute to go. Yes. Let's talk about the Arboretum. Yeah, go out to the Arboretum. It is a fantastic place to be. Uh, we finished up the flower show. They're starting to do the maple syruping. Uh, you can look on their website for those dates. And uh, the paths are shoveled, and you can do some nice walking. It'll be a great weekend to be out there. I'm going to be out teaching a house plant class today, so today? that's where I'm headed after oh, the show. All right. <laughs> and uh, you can, uh, I remember Mary saying it too, there are places to have a snack there too. Yes, food. yeah, there's a restaurant, and uh, you can take the food out of the restaurant and go sit outside with it, or you can sit inside and watch all the turkeys and the bird feeders. And, and given this weather, it's going to be a beautiful weekend. It's going to be a good weekend to be yeah. there. Well, have fun today, Thank Julie, you. And uh, we'll see you down the road a couple yeah, weeks or so. Yeah, put your right? sunscreen on today when you're outside. Good idea. Thank you so much. And don't forget to set your clocks ahead. <laughs> one hour. Ahead one hour. We lose an hour of sleep overnight tonight, just to be sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law.